If you're turning with me in your Bibles, you can start in Luke 17. We're going to start in Luke 17, verse 11. And today I'm going to talk to you about Thanksgiving. Since we just had Thanksgiving and we got to eat plenty of food and but I think sometimes maybe we forget what the beauty of Thanksgiving and so it just kind of got me thinking about it because Thanksgiving was this week but I want to start out by asking a question what are you thankful for you don't have to start like yelling it out um Danielle told us about a church she went to where they just got to randomly stand up during the service and tell what they were thankful for but that hopefully would take way too long way more time than we have if I opened it up to all of you guys so then uh, so we're not going to open it up hopefully but just think for a minute in your head what are you thankful for and then think about what do you have in your life because I know you have something what do you have in your life that you used to be thankful for and you're not thankful for now. Think about that for a minute. What are some things in your life that you used to be so thankful for, that you thanked God for, that you were so grateful to have in your life, and now you're not thankful for them anymore? In fact, you complain about them. Is it a kid, a spouse, (laughs) the dog? That you loved when it was the cute little puppy and now all you do is complain about it. You're no longer thankful for it. It could be anything. Maybe it's your truck. You were so thankful when you didn't have to ride that bicycle anymore. You had a truck. But now that you've had it for a while, now it's an old piece of junk. Right? You don't, it's not even worth washing to you anymore. No life or God or however you want to. Look at it has a funny way of making you thankful again, so be careful. You might have to lose it to get grateful again. You don't know what you have until it's gone. So what did you used to be thankful for that you're no longer thankful for? And now you just complain about it. Church? When God gives you something... You've got to take care of it. Much like when he gives you a baby, then you're not done the day you birthed that baby. You're not, in fact, you're just getting started. And for some of you, that's a lot longer than others. But it's the start of a process. But if you don't feed the baby or you don't take care of the baby, you don't do what it needs, or give, then it doesn't grow. God gives you things, but then you have to maintain them. You have to do your part. You know you don't have to try to complain. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to try to be negative. You don't have to try to be stingy or selfish. Lucky us, it just comes with the human nature. We get it. Free of charge. You don't have to work at it. It's like a natural default. You'll go right to it. You don't have to work to complain or be negative or stingy or selfish. But you have to try to be thankful or grateful. To make a conscious effort to be thankful, to be grateful. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes. 116 times in the Bible we see the word thanks. 116 times. 73 of those say specifically, give thanks. The word give is an action, like it's something there for you to do. All throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, we're commanded to give thanks. If I give you a gift, does it cost me? Yeah, it's going to cost me something. If I want to give you a gift, it's going to cost me. How much is it going to cost me? Depends on how nice I want the gift to be. 
depends on how much I love you or how much I want to give to you. The sacrifice will be even greater. If I want to give you something really good, then it's going to cost me more. Remember, we're talking about give thanks. We're commanded to give thanks. We're supposed to give thanks. Why did God feel the need to say that over and over and over and over and over to us in the Bible? Give thanks. I need to make an effort if I want to give something. It's going to cost me if I want to give something. Oh, it's the thought that counts. No, it isn't. It's really not. My anniversary rolls around and I think about giving Jessie a really good present and spending some time with her and talking to her and telling her I love her. And I think about it good and hard. Like that, that's not good enough. It's not just a thought that counts. I don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. So tell me. Speak it. Thanksgiving is praise. That's the meaning of the word praise. We talk about praise and worship. I know some people think praise means the fast songs and worship is the slow songs. But really, praise it literally means thanksgiving or to give thanks. That is to praise. To give thanks. I'm going to show you today that there's power in your praise. Speaking thanks. Do you spend more time speaking thanks or praise? Pointing out what you're grateful for. Finding the good in things. In your job and your kids and your ministry and your husband your wife your world or do you spend more time complaining pointing out the problems the great fixer letting everybody know what's wrong with every situation there's power in thanksgiving there's power in praise Let's look at this. Let's look at this story. Jesus is going along with the disciples, right? And he's on his way somewhere. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, like he's going to Jerusalem. This wasn't a planned stop. As he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Okay, most of the scholars believe and will tell you, they think that where it says he went into a certain village, it didn't name the village, didn't say what village it was. And so several of the scholars believe that that was because it was a leper colony. Because these men would have been shunned and have to live in a leper colony. So why would there be 10 lepers wandering around a certain village? They're supposed to be in a leper colony. So they believe that the certain village was just a leper colony that Jesus happened to be walking past. On his way to somewhere. Living his life of purpose. Doing what the Father had called him to do. He just happened to be passing by there. There met him ten men that were lepers. They had a disease. Their flesh was literally rotting, which stood afar off. When they stand afar off, they had to, by law. They weren't allowed to come within 50 yards of anybody that didn't have leprosy. So they stood afar off, at least 50 yards away. And the crazy thing is that after doing a little bit more research on leprosy this week, that one of the first things to go is your vocal cords in your throat and what's the little hangy down thing called in the back of your throat? 
tonsil? <laughs> yeah, that. Like, that's one of the first things to go is your voice. And so people with leprosy have a very scratchy, low voice, and they can't speak loud. Try to speak loud. So these dudes are standing 50 yards off and they're calling out trying to get his attention. Oh yeah, and it was the law that you had to cover your mouth when you talked because they believed it was airborne. It wasn't. But that's what they thought. So these poor 10 dudes are standing there at least 50 yards away. Hey, God. Jesus could have just walked on. Because he had somewhere to be. He had something to do. And it was in obedience to his father. He was headed to Jerusalem to do what he was supposed to be doing with his boys. With the disciples. With his crew. But they interrupted him. People with some serious, serious flesh issues. They interrupted Jesus. Just to start out. The message, or I guess we're not starting out. We're already into it pretty good. But I want you to know it's okay for you to interrupt. It's okay for you to call out. You're not too dirty or nasty or you have a voice. And it's okay. You know, when I come up here and I try to set aside all the distractions of my world and I'll come and sit in my office and I'll work on a message to stand up here and preach and I'll be sitting in there studying and it's super important and I'm trying to hear from God and I'm trying to write things down and sometimes there are distractions and what I'm doing is important it's important for me to sit in there and study and try to hear God's voice and write down things and research things so that I can have something to bring to you guys and it's important, and God's speaking to me. But guess what? At least, it seems like, at least once a week. Usually more than that here lately. My office door will crack, or a lot of times I have it propped open. And my niece, Azalea, comes walking in while I'm studying. She's usually got RJ or Rebecca with her. But it's funny when I was thinking about this because... Either whoever it is, if it's RJ or Rebecca that has her, neither one of them, they don't come in first. They kind of hang in the foyer. And Azalea comes in, and usually here's what she does. She'll come in my office, and she'll stand there, and she'll just stand there smiling and staring at me until I look up from what I'm doing and notice that she's standing there with a little smile on her face looking at me. And it's almost like she's looking for, hey, it's me, hey confidently smiling, waiting on me to invite her in. And I say, hey, Zaley, and she runs around the desk and jumps up in my lap and starts asking me a hundred questions about, what's that? What's that? What's that? Same thing you asked me what it was a day ago. You know what that is. What's that? She already knows what it is. She just wants to see me. She's asking questions. She wants to sit in my lap. She's excited to be in there and happy and She's distracting me from the important thing that I was trying to do. And I don't care. It brings me joy. I love for her to run in there and jump up in my lap and ask me questions, even if I feel like it's dumb questions. It's okay. You know that's how God feels about you? You know, in Hebrews where it says that you can come boldly before the throne of grace as a son or a daughter, you are welcome to distract and interrupt God. He hears you. You're welcome to run, jump up in his lap. carried away I need to get back to the story so they stood 50 yards away they covered up their mouth and they hollered as loud as they could with leprosy they stood afar off verse 13 
And they lifted up their voices and they said to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. He said, Go to church. Go to the synagogue. Go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, as they obeyed him, they were cleansed. As they went. In that time, it was against the law for them to go to the priest unless they had already been healed. If you were healed, then you were allowed to go to the priest and show him that you were healed. Jesus didn't heal them first. Jesus told them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. But they had to step out in obedience first. They had to obey. I was going to turn there, but I'm just going to tell you about it. So then in a minute when I was going to turn there, we're not going to. But there's a story in Acts of Peter. And Peter got locked up. Peter and James got locked up. And Herod chops off the head of James. And all the church was praying for him. Church was praying like crazy. And James got killed. And the church kept on praying. And, and Peter, he was there in jail. And he had 16 guards guarding him. 16 men. We're guarding him. You know what Peter did? Took off his clothes and his sandals, which apparently that's Peter's comfortable naked for some reason. He was fishing naked. We know the other time when Jesus came and he jumped in. Peter got comfortable and went to sleep. Locked up in prison. And the church prayed without ceasing. They didn't stop praying for Peter. We speak a lot about Paul and Silas when they got locked up and they were in prison and in their darkest hour they chose to praise God. And Peter went to sleep. It's the power of being connected to a community, to a body. An angel comes in, and fast forward on the story, an angel comes in and he hits Peter, kicks Peter, like tells him to wake up. And Peter thinks it's a dream. And he said in that story, Peter... Get up. And it says when Peter got up, then the chains fell off. When he got up, then the chains fell off. Obedience comes before freedom. You have to do what he told you to do, and then you experience the freedom. And so many times we say, God, I want the freedom. God, I want the miracle. God, I want this. And he says, then do what I told you to do. I've given you simple instructions, and you won't do what I've told you to do. You want the more, but you're not willing to do the, the small thing, the little thing that I've asked you. Let's finish, Let's finish reading the story real quick. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice. Notice that. Now his voice was loud. Why? Because he was healed. Before they were crying out, he cried with a loud voice. And he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? Almost like Jesus saying, did, Wait, did it not work? Weren't ten of you guys healed and you're the only one that came back to give thanks? You're the only one that's giving praise? We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. 
Gratitude produces worship. He was thankful. He was grateful for the healing, for the wholeness, for the freedom. He was grateful and thankful for what Jesus did. So gratitude produced worship. He worshiped Jesus. He was grateful that he was healed. So we just read it. He gave praise. The Bible tells us to give praise. In the Old Testament, there are 11 words for praise. Um, seven of them are very dominant and used most of the time. The primary words in the Hebrew language for praise was number one was Tada, and it means a thanksgiving choir. Second one was Barak, and it means to kneel in thanksgiving. Third, Talah, is to sing a song of thanksgiving. Fourth, Halal, to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. Five, Yada. To give thanks with extended hands. Six, zamar. To give thanks with musical instruments. Seven, shabash. To give thanks in a loud tone or a shout. Every one of them means to give thanks. Psalm 100 verse 4 uses four of the words. In one verse, where David's talking about just giving thanks and praise and worship, give thanks to God. Let me read it to you. Psalm 100. On your feet now. Applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into His presence. Did you realize you can sing yourself into God's presence? Know this, God is God and God, God. He made us. We didn't make Him. We're His people, His well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, thank you. You can enter into God's presence. The password is thank you, being grateful, being thankful. Make yourselves at home. Talk and praise. Thank Him. Worship Him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. That uses four of the words for praise. We should all express our love and thanks to God. But it doesn't have to look the same way. If you noticed in all those definitions I just read you, some of them are screaming and shouting and hollering, and some of them are hands lifted, and some of, they're all it's all different ways. You may be thankful or grateful in a different way than me, but you need to express it. You need to show it. This man was made whole. Because of gratitude. Gratitude came because of the miracle. Miracles produce gratitude. You know what produces miracles? Obedience. They obeyed, then came the miracle, and then because of the miracle, became gratitude. He was happy, thankful. So I got three things for you, and that was, we just talked about the first one for a while. Do what he told you to do. It's simple. Do what he told you to do. So many people are praying for the next big thing, or why won't God send me this, or why won't God move me on to the next thing, or why won't... Do what he told you to do. It might seem simple. It might seem small. It might seem insignificant. It might well, do what he told you to do. 
be faithful in a little and you'll be made steward over much. But you got to do what he told you to do. Obedience. You know, you don't go from first grade to calculus even if you pray. You got to graduate first grade and then go to second grade. And you graduate that and go to third grade. I don't need to go all the way up because I'm not really sure what grade you get in calculus. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of times as Christians, and I can even look at some areas in my own life, when I, if I look back and think about how I've been praying this prayer to God, like, God, give me calculus. Right? God, move me on. God, advance me. I want to be smart now. And God's like, then finish first grade. God, give me miracle working power. God's like, yeah, I've got that. But you're going to have to walk in obedience for a while. Why? So you can handle that. There's no shortcuts. Do what he told you to do. Give thanks. Second one, see I told you I had three of them. We already pretty much talked about the first one. Do what he told you to do. The second one, choose gratitude. It's a choice. Every single day you can choose it. Here's what gratitude means. Gratitude means being thankful or a readiness to show appreciation. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to show appreciation. I'm looking for ways to show appreciation. I'm not looking for ways to be offended. I'm not looking for ways that I was the victim. I'm not looking for ways to complain. I'm looking for ways to show appreciation. I'm looking for things to be thankful about. I'm searching for the good. A team of researchers out of Indiana University got 43 subjects suffering from anxiety and depression. They assigned half of them a simple gratitude exercise, writing letters of thanks to people in their lives. Simply, half of them, the other half, they didn't. Now, three months later, all 43 underwent brain scans. During the brain scans, they participated in a gratitude task in which they were told a benefactor had given them a sum of money. Then they were asked if they wanted to donate some of it to charity or keep all of it. They found in the study that those who gave away money, oh wait, I'm skipping ahead, donate some of it to charity or keep all of it. Those who gave away money showed a particular pattern in their brain on the scanner. Not only did the half that wrote the letters three months earlier feel more gratitude for getting given the gift, they all reported that they felt much more grateful for receiving the gift. They were all more willing to give and gave more of the money that they were given to charity across the board. Coincidence? No. They started something three months ago. Being thankful, being grateful, gratitude. So then when they received something, they were more grateful and willing to give. See, that's what gratitude does. Gratitude opens you up to where you give. 
Because you want to give and you're so grateful for what you've received. You turn around and bless other people and you're so grateful for all that God's given you. You want to give to help other people and you want to look more like God. And what God does is give so you give. A thankful person is a giving person. A complaining negative person is a stingy person. These studies, this isn't a Christian study that was trying to prove the Bible. This was just a study on the brain, not on your soul or your spirit or anything like that. So this, that I just read you, and then I'm going to read you a couple other shorter things. It's just about your brain, about this organ here, and some things that they prove. They showed more gratitude, brain activity on the scanner in a noticeable way. Profound and long-lasting neural effects were made by a simple act of gratitude. Harvard research says that the more practice you give your brain at feeling and expressing gratitude the more it adapts to this mindset. Harvard also says, you can even think of your brain as having a sort of gratitude muscle that can be exercised and strengthened. The more of an effort you make to feel gratitude one day, the more the feeling will come to you spontaneously in the future. Now it's starting to make a whole lot more sense why God commanded us over and over throughout here, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. It's working out your brain. It's working out your gratitude muscle. And then in the future, spontaneously, it just happens. You've made a habit of being grateful and thankful and generous and giving. It just happens more in the future. Sean Archer from Harvard Research Team says, the same way that working out is good for your muscles and cardio is good for your heart, gratitude is good for your brain. Dr. Caroline Leaf, the neuroscientist, says, when you repeat a behavior such as complaining, your neurons branch out to each other and ease the flow of information. This makes it much easier to repeat the behavior in the future. See, your brain looks for the path of least resistance. It looks for what's easier. What you've trained it to do, then it doesn't have to think about it. And it just, it goes for that. So you program or train your brain, and then it craves it. It craves whatever you've trained it for, programmed it for. That's what it wants to do. It's the same with addictions. Like the first time you chugged a big swig of alcohol, it probably didn't taste that good to you. Once you train your brain, then you crave it, then you want it, and that's the easiest thing for you to do. In fact, the hard thing is for you to not do it. Same with gambling or lying or whatever you want to add in there. You train your brain. You create pathways in your brain, and it becomes the easy thing to do. And then the hard thing to do would be to go against patterns that you've set up in your brain. Your neurons are firing to create a superhighway, the path of least resistance. So that in the future... You crave it. You go to it without even thinking. Because it's just easy. It's the easiest thing to do. So what's the easiest thing for you to do? Is it easy for you to complain? Is it easy for you to 
find the problems? Or is it easy for you to praise, to pick out the good, to worship? Is that your go-to? Because all this research shows that you can retrain your brain. Research from Stanford shows that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, which is the area of the brain that is critical for problem-solving and intelligent thinking. Hear that? That's been proven. Complaining shrinks the area of your brain that's responsible for problem-solving and intelligent thinking. So if you complain all the time, you're getting dumber. And you wonder why you can't solve a problem. You complain all the time. That's the area of your brain is literally physically shrinking. The area of your brain that you need to problem solve and also for what else? It wasn't that important. Oh, intelligent thinking. I don't need to shrink that part of my brain. I don't know about you. That's what complaining does. And you think about it. The people that complain all the time, yeah, they have every little thing becomes this major problem because they're not good at problem solving. God knew that. Last one. UCLA says that just like Prozac... Gratitude can boost your neurotransmitter and give you serotonin and activate the brainstem to produce dopamine. Gratitude? That's what it does in your brain. The same thing that Prozac does. You being grateful and thankful. God created you that way. Wait a minute. So if I'm just grateful and pick out the good things in my life, I can get high. Pretty much. In fact, UCLA says that it can be a natural stimulant. Go crazy with it. I give you permission. You can get addicted to being grateful and thankful. Go for it. See how good it makes you feel. And guess what you'll do? You'll create a pattern. And that'll become your easy go-to addiction. It's how God designed it. So that you will praise. Your go-to would be to praise. To give thanks. To be grateful. And He knows that that will make you generous. And being generous makes you look like Him. Makes a dad proud when their kids look like them. First Thessalonians 5:18. And we'll close. First Thessalonians 5:18. In the good things that you go through, give thanks. In some of the things that you go through, give thanks. In the things that you agree with that you go through, give thanks. It doesn't say any of that. It says, in everything, give thanks. Notice that it says, in everything, not for everything. So that means I can learn how to be thankful in everything. Every situation, everything that life throws at me, I can learn how to be thankful in everything. I'm not thankful for everything. You run up and punch me in the face. I'm not thankful for the punch in the face. But I can be thankful in it. How is not quite coming to me right now. But I'm not in it. <laughs> says be thankful in everything not for everything 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God, show me your will. I don't know what God's will for my life is. God, he hasn't revealed his will for me. Well, here we go. I'll start you out right here. This is nice and easy. Give thanks in everything. This is the will of God concerning your life. There it is, written word. The word of God says, this is his will for you. Be thankful in everything concerning you. Verse 19, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. When you complain, you quench. That word quench is to put out. Like if I quench a candle, I put it out. You can quench or put out the spirit by complaining, by being negative, and la, 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 la. You put out the spirit, the breath, the wind of God, the breath that's on the inside of you, that creative breath. You, When you choose to complain, you shut down the creator. Quench not the spirit. A spirit of gratitude is a spirit of generosity. And just like giving thanks can take you into the will of God. We just saw that. Complaining can get you out of it. Think about that. I've seen people complain their way out of all kind of stuff. I've seen people complain their way out of relationships, marriages. I've seen people complain their way right on out of churches. I've seen people complain their way out of jobs. I promise you, you complain about it long enough and you point out the bad long enough and you speak negative about it long enough, you, you can complain yourself right on out of it. There's power in your words we talked about last week. And you are training yourself what to look for. Creating pathways in your brain. Remember, we looked at last week, seeking you will find, good or bad. If you're looking for God, you're going to find Him. You're looking for good, you're going to find You're looking for something to be thankful for, you'll find it. And if you're looking for the opposite, you'll find it. So, the cool thing about the story that we just read, and I kind of I kind of skipped over it because I wanted it to be the last thing we talked about, but we already read the story. Um, so the third and last thing, believe God for wholeness, not just to be healed. You can believe God for wholeness. Remember Jesus said, where are the nine? Where are those other nine? You came back to say thank you. Where are all the other nine? And if you look back at that story, there were different, there was a different word used there. In verse 15, and when uh, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. Okay, verse 14 is when they were all cleansed when they obeyed. They were all cleansed, or the disease of leprosy was stopped. Right? And leprosy, what it does is it starts with your extremities, whatever's furthest from your heart, and it starts doing nerve damage, and you lose feeling. And then eventually, depending on how long it goes or how bad it gets, it starts to rot. The end of your nose will rot off, the tips of your ears first, your fingers. So some of these guys may have had missing fingers, missing toes, your fingernails come off. All this this stuff, these sores. So they were cleansed when they went and showed themselves to the priest. So it stopped. The disease stopped. But if you only had three fingers, you still only have three fingers. 
right? It just means they were healed. They're, the disease was stopped. And then even it was a different word used in verse 15 when the man saw that he was healed. That word healed just means he was healed, right? God like stopped the disease, stopped the healing. He turned back with a loud voice and he glorified God. But then if you fast forward on down here to verse 19, and he said unto him, Jesus said to him, after gratitude, after thanks, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. That was a completely different word than he used earlier in the story. That word whole is a Greek word, sozo. It means to save to rescue, to be in right relationship with God, to restore. It is to restore that which was lost. It's the same word that was used um, in talking about salvation. What God sent Jesus to die on the cross to restore that which was lost for our salvation to make us whole. To restore the relationship. That's the word that Jesus used. So he was made whole. These other guys that weren't grateful or thankful, they got their healing, right? They got to go back into society and come out of the leper colony and they got the disease stopped, but they weren't whole. They were missing pieces. They might have been missing the hole into their nose. But they weren't grateful or thankful. His gratitude and his praise and the fact that he went back to glorify God. It made him whole. Gratitude makes whatever you have enough. Whatever you have is enough. And if you're not grateful, it's never enough. Man, I know people in my life that aren't grateful and they're just negative and complainers. All And no matter what they have, it's never enough. I don't care if you have a 10,000 square foot house, it's not going to be big enough. Doesn't matter if you have an $80,000 truck, it's still not good enough. You'd still rather get another lift kit on it or something else because you're not grateful or thankful for what you have. See, gratitude makes whatever you have enough. You have been made whole. As I read that story and I thought about that, I was thinking about this dude. As he went back and he was just so happy and he was so grateful. He just came back to worship Jesus and thank him for what he had given him. They couldn't feel. Like one of the first things to go, the nerve damage would have been in your hands and your toes and your feet. You, you lose feeling. So he couldn't feel. And as he was worshiping, Jesus said, your faith hath made thee whole. And imagine that feeling started to come back. And he opened up his eyes and he looked and fingers that were gone were back and, and he could feel again you ever feel numb you ever feel like you're just going through the motions or you come to church because it's what you're supposed to do and you, you come into a worship service but you just don't feel God you've lost feeling You gotta start working out your gratitude muscle. Work out that part of your brain. Give thanks. They all, the nine, they still looked like what they had been through. He didn't look like what he had been through. He was made whole, he was restored. He had a story. A testimony about what he went through. 
but it didn't even look like it anymore. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went through the fire and they didn't even smell like smoke. People could look at this dude and say, what? You were a leper and lived in the leper colony? Now they could look at those other nine that weren't grateful and they could tell that they were, oh, well, that's believable. (laughs) I can tell you used to have some major issues. Is it still all over you? But because of gratitude and thanks and praise, he didn't even look like what he had been through. Happy people are not the ones that have the best of everything. They're the ones that make the best of everything they have. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your presence. God, thank you for instructions. Thank you for teaching us and growing us. We want to move on. We want to graduate. God, thank you for your healing power. Thank you for making us whole. Help us to be grateful. Help us train our brains to point out the good and not the bad. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.